Well, we'll see how far we get today. Um, I, uh, I know I did a little brief um, uh, advertisement for uh, the message today. And today we're going to talk a little bit about something that everyone in this room struggles with. And as we talk about being a church who wants to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth, many times we're bringing a different kingdom. Do you realize that? And so today, I, I, I hope that uh, this message, we go beyond just being convicted that, that, that the Lord would renew our hearts and our minds. I know Karen and I have been on a journey for some time now to, um, to eradicate a critical spirit from our hearts and uh, looking at people through the eyes of the flesh rather than through the Spirit of God. And today, I'm going to share a little bit about that journey because it's really tied to Tom's message about how uh, there are obstacles to our worship of God. And many times these obstacles keep us from truly worshiping like we need to worship the Lord. And even today, uh, I was faced, even today, with this message, even here today, having to bring every thought into captivity uh, uh, and, and to, to, to not look through the eyes of my flesh, but to choose and make a choice to walk and to see things through God's eyes rather than my eyes. So today I'm hoping and I'm believing that God is going to give you a new set of lenses to look through today. Because right now, each one of us are looking through a lens uh, many times in our life that is an incorrect view. It's an incorrect, it's like the white cat. She thought he had just tried to kill or did kill the cat. And, uh, and, and so many times we make assumptions and we, we, we see things through the wrong set of lenses. And today, I really want to help us to see things differently. I'm going to start uh, a little bit about uh, just a brief, I want to create what we call create the need of why we need this message so bad, but I want to give a little history of my own life. Uh, about a year ago, I went to my dad, and me and dad and mom, we were talking in the family room. I go over there for coffee every now and then in the mornings, and I'll just talk with them. And in the, in, about a year ago, we were just talking, and in the course of our conversation, it was just one thing after another. Another. Have, have you guys ever had a family where you're in the you're in the family room, and all of a sudden, every conversation was critical? And my dad would say something, and, and, it, and it had this critical bend to it, and it was it was it was judging something about someone or somebody in our family, or oh, I wish the the nephew, my nephew, would treat his boys better, or I wish uh, they would watch their kids, I wish they would, uh, you know, discipline their kids, uh, I, I wish he would treat his wife better, I mean, that wasn't the conversation, but I'm giving you a gist of, of what was going on, and God had already been convicting me, and I, and I just said to dad, with a little tear in my eyes, I said, dad, we are such a critical family, <laughs> it's just bringing those emotions up again. And dad goes, what? I said, listen to us. Listen to the conversation. We've been, I've been here 45 minutes for coffee. And I said, we are really a critical family. And we went off to the next topic. And, but about six weeks later, dad come to me and he goes, hey, you're right. We are a critical family. And... Uh, and so the history of my life, and even some of the bondages that I struggled with in my young adulthood and through, and through my life, 
so many of those were tied to the critical spirit because I never felt like I measured up. I always felt like there was not, like I was always living to please my father. I was always living to do things right so that dad and mom would be pleased with me. And so in my family, there was a high value for doing things right. You know, there's your way and my way, and then there's the right way, or there's your, your God's way and th th your way and somebody else's way. But we always bring it back to my way. We really do. We, the way my family would do it, or the way I think I should do something. And there's this, there was this, in, as growing up, there was this high value in our family to do things right. Anybody else come from that kind of family? And if you didn't do things right, guess what you heard? That ain't right. And there was always this unspoken rejection unspoken withdrawal of love unspoken punishment sometimes of distance until you line back up anybody else lived there before and so i lived most of my life and i can remember and i know i've shared this many times uh i don't think my brother got real wild but there was times where i know he came in maybe a little tipsy and uh but buddy when I came home, I wanted to make sure they knew I wasn't drinking because I never drank, I never smoked. I'm not Mr. Good Two Shoes, and that's not what I'm saying. Oh, there was a lot of crap went up here, and there was a lot of bad things that went on up here, but I didn't manifest them in the natural because there was a right way and there was a wrong way. But my heart was still wicked. Are you with me? And so. I, would, I remember coming home at night and stubbing my toe on a chair and being so worried that my dad would think I was drunk. Now, that's bondage. And so what happened in my life is I began to grow up in a culture of criticalness and cynicism. Anybody else with me? I'll never forget about a year ago, Karen, we were at the dinner table and uh, all my kids were around and she made a meal and man, was the meal good. But guess what I said? Man, if there had just been a, just a little more salt. And then Joel said, well, this about the meal. And then I think Abe said something about the meal. And Karen goes, that's it. You guys want to cook your own stuff? Then cook your own stuff. Now she manifested. <laughs> but so did I. I was manifesting something that was not the kingdom of heaven. And so even this morning as you guys have come into the sanctuary... Today, even, there's been critical thoughts about the service today. What if they'd have done this? What if they'd have done that? Why did it last so long? Why did they do the singing? Why did they allow them to come sing? Why did they do this? Oh, that was amazing. We ought to do that every Sunday. And there's this thing where we walk into a culture 
because our culture in America, if you watch TV very long, it's critical. I don't know anything positive that has been said about President Trump over the last several weeks. And there is some positive to say. Just like there was positive to say about Obama. But I find myself critiquing meals. I critiqued a meal last night in my brain. It didn't manifest itself out of my mouth. <laughs> and my wife didn't even make it. I was just, uh, I guess, uh, we were at somebody's house and was like, you know, you're going through how you would do it different. Yeah. Don't, don't act like you don't do that. It was interesting, Karen, a week or so ago, she came home from work. Oh, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I said, oh, go. Yeah, she was God setting us up to get something. I said, okay, tell me about it. I love stories. Hope you guys love stories. Now, I'm not going to tell what store it was from. I hope, dear God, nobody puts the dots together. But she was at work. So just avoid it. Oh, dear God. But she was uh, at work. And um, she was waiting to, she puts up Nabisco product in the shelves, and she was getting ready to pick up cookies and put all stuff on the shelf. And uh, this guy that is in charge of the, the check-in of the trucks that come in was standing talking to her driver. And so her, she has to get the okay from the driver that all the product has been delivered so that she can start putting it out. So she, she sees them over talking there and she just says, hey, John Doe, uh, am I clear? Or is everything out? And she, he goes, yep, you're good to go. And the guy that checks in the product gets angry at Karen for doing so. I tell you what, you just tell the story, come here. <laughs> just don't say names. Everybody say hi to my beautiful wife. So, um so the, the whole point was that I have to get permission to put the product out on the floor. And so I went to the gentleman at the back door and the driver was standing there and I said, am I good to go? And he said, uh, yeah, you're good to go. And, and then the driver asked me a question about other deliveries that were coming in at Walmart. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you're narrowing it down. I did narrow it down. But it wasn't Walmart. But so. it was, okay, anyways. Um, and so, um, I can't trust you to share that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Critical. And uh, I said, um, so he asked me a couple questions, and, and so then the guy that checks in, he was getting irritated because he needed the signature from the driver, and um, he said, "Would you just sign it like that?" And and so I just was like, and the driver, and we're looking at each other, okay, okay, you know. And so I went on my way and. Lord was convicting me, and just you know, how can I um, be love and 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 make this right? Because obviously he's upset, and so I went back there, and I said, "Hey, look, I'm really sorry that I interrupted you," which I didn't interrupt, and and he said, "Well," and he just went off on me <laughs> about talking to the driver, even though the driver was asking me a question, and so it was a test of you know, how am I going to treat this? man that I work with and 
love him and not be critical of him because I have to see the gold in him. I have to see through the eyes of God who this man truly is. He's in, right now he's miserable. Miserable. He's um, being just angry and all that's coming out. But there's there's gold in this man, and I have to look through the eyes of God when I when I deal with this man. And so it was just another setup from from Papa. So. Amen. Do you guys have any of those kind of people in your life? <laughs> Hopefully they're not your spouse. <laughs> Shoe fits. <laughs> How about the confessions that we make over our city? Is anybody ever critical about Newcastle? I could literally give you a name of a community in this city, and you'd go, ooh. I could say an area, and you'd go, ooh, drugs, bad. I could also give you an area that's wealthy, and you'd go, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good area. We form opinions, don't we? And we make judgments about that com the community based upon what people say of how drug-infested this city. I've been beginning to make amazing declarations over our city. It's a beautiful place, and it has beautiful people. And I have to see some things that uh, God sees and rather than what I see. So where I want to go today is this issue of critical and, and really the root and the cause of it. God really did a uh, Jehovah Sneaky with me. And he began to show me that really what I was struggling with was not a critical spirit. That was just the fruit of it. And so I'm going to go into that. But I want to, I want to just define a critical spirit. And uh, I'm going to get the PowerPoint here. And, and just if you look at the word critical and the definition, it means that we are inclined to find fault or to judge with severity too readily. Occupied with or skilled in criticism. How many do not want to be skilled in criticism? Involving skillful judgment as to truth or merit of someone. That's the one that stuck out to me. That when I am critical, I am being judgmental to the truth or the merit of someone. And I did write down there, what truth? Is this your judgment of truth or is this God's judgment of truth? I believe we're going to go back to this, this involving skillment, skillful judgment as to truth or merit of someone but really, when we're being critical, we are literally judging the value of something. Are you with me? So we're going to go here in just a second. So bear with me. I even this morning um, was critical as I, I got up really early this morning. I, I, the Lord had been changing the message a little bit, and I was like, what are you going to do? And I cannot believe, I mean, I told Karen, I said, I'm even being tested to be critical of my message. Does anybody else struggle with this? What are the effects of criticism on children? In the Psychology Today article I read by Dr. Kenneth Barish, 
He said, if I were asked to identify the most common problem presented to me in three decades of therapeutic work with children and with families, my answer would be unequivocally, as parents, we are unwittingly too critical of our children. We all know what criticism feels like when we're criticized. How many get defensive? If Karen begins to just have a little hint, see, my love language is words of affirmation. <laughs> and the exact opposite of words of affirmation are criticism. And if she starts to hint on criticism, it shuts me down quicker than a... Uh, 16 cops on Fort Knox. <laughs> if she wants me to withdraw from her, you start being critical of me. Mm -hmm. Because there's a wound there. Are you with me? We all know what criticism feels like. And in this study, he said, we may have experienced the demoralizing effect of frequent criticism in the workplace or in our love relationships. It is surprising then how often we fail to consider this, is a relation, this, this in relationship to our children. Much of our criticism, of course, is well-intentioned. We criticize because we are anxious or fearful about our child's future. We want them to improve and we eventually succeed in we want them to improve and eventually succeed in the competitive world we think of our criticism as constructive or not as criticism at all but rather as instruction and advice and we regard our children's defiance and their unwillingness to communicate as an unavoidable consequence of responsible parenting and responsible criticism anybody wore that t-shirt he said, I disagree. When frequent criticism persists, all other efforts to improve our family relationships are likely to fail. He said, the solution to the problem of frequent criticism begins with this fundamental fact. Children, when they are not angry and discouraged, want to do well. I am going to read that again. The fact is, children, when they are not angry and discouraged, they want to do well. Your children want to earn your praise and approval, and they want you to be proud of them. That is true with natural children, and it is true of spiritual children. Do we really believe that people want to do well? I hope you do. The other effect of criticism on children, there are three, or, three or four effects that Dr. Rodwin uh, mentions within criticism. It affects, uh, criticism affects their attachment style. When children get criticized in a way that makes them feel worthless, they might question the love of their parents. In other words, some children might end up feeling unloved, and as a result, they might start to look for love elsewhere. Many sex addicts, control freaks, and, and narcissistic people are adults because they were deprived of love when they were children, and they were criticized as children. Shame complex. When a child is criticized, often he starts to feel ashamed of himself. As the time passes, the criticism this child gets subjected to makes him believe that something is wrong with him. 
The development of wrong identity is affected with, with criticism. Number four was a loss of self-confidence. I'm not going to go into the details of it. I'm just creating what, what, seriously what criticism does. And it also develops emotional wounds and, and oversensitivity, just like my oversensitivity to her criticism. I'm oversensitive to it because of what I went through as a child. Even though I had wonderful parents. If you know my parents, they're amazing. But again, my reality of what I was going through, my perception was my reality, even though my perception was incorrect. I had that with my own children. The perception that they had of me as a father was different than what was actually going on. But it was still their reality. I can't argue them out of that reality. One of the poems that I, I remember seeing in one of the doctor's offices locally, it says, what a child lives what he learns. And in that, that poem on the wall of the office, I, I, I remember one day waiting, not like you have to wait a long time in a doctor's office, right? <laughs> I, I scribbled on a piece of paper the, the poem, and it says, if a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to be guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. And there's many other things. If you want to look that poem up, it's called A Child Lives What He Learns. But that first thing, a child lives, if a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. This affects us all. And I believe even in the church, maybe sometimes it's, there is more uh, criticism and judgment within the church than there is the world because the word of God does tell us what right and wrong is. And I think in the body of Christ, many times we become so critical because we do know that God has given us standards. God has given us a path of what right is and what wrong is. And so sometimes the house of God can be the most condemning and the most judgmental and the most critical place on earth. Should that be so? <laughs> but what does the word say about critical being critical of others. And so, to get the word critical in the Bible, there is a few places where the word critical comes out, but when you look up the word for judge, in the Greek definition of the word judge is the word critical, okay? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look in the word a little bit today, and we'll see how far we get on the word critical and judge, and I wanna, I wanna begin to lay a foundation, just, I'm, I'm trying to make this a one message thing, but it may be two, I, we'll, we'll just see, but it depends on how I feel as I get to a couple points as to whether God wants me to really dive in and to dismantle the strongholds in our thinking, or whether he has me just skate on through. You guys with me on that? Are you guys willing to allow your mind to be dismantled this morning? Because remember, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and what? Dark forces of the heavenlies. We are in a battle, not against each other, but we are in a battle between our flesh and our spirit and the kingdom of darkness. 
And what I manifest more often, and I'm getting better as I get my mind renewed and I get some of those hidden places of my heart healed of my identity and my value in Christ. But I don't know about you, I am sick and tired of being critical. I am sick of seeing what is wrong with people. It is like vomit to me anymore. I don't know about you, you have got to get sick of sin. You've got, you got to get sick of it. And so, we're going to read this scripture out of Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And remember, I said the word judge is the word critical, okay? And we know what Matthew says, but I'm going to read it again. This isn't to beat us up. I want to lay a foundation of what we're doing in order to lay a foundation of this is the, this is the world's way of thinking. This is God's way of thinking. This is what we do, but what we're to do is we're to have our minds transformed and we're to, to leave the, the life of the flesh to the life of the spirit. Can I have any men on that? So the, this is what we tend to do, we, it, but the word says to not do it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, bud, and then there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So this word judge here in the Greek literally, whoops, I thought I had that. Was that back on that one? Yeah. Did I take that out? Oh my goodness, I did take it out. Sorry guys, don't need to be a confusion here. So judge not. So the word judge here, literally in the Greek, means to criticize, to express an opinion, to find fault, to decide, to make a choice, and to judge as guilty. So, Karen's situation with the guy at work, she could make a choice to judge and criticize his performance, or she can make a choice to not criticize in her mind. And that's a battle. This morning, I was in battle in this place, in my own mind, about myself and about something else. And there was this war going on, and guess what it did? It affected my worship. I was here struggling in worship this morning, get, trying to get breakthrough because of the, the, the war that was going on in my mind. So if you don't think criticism affects your worship, it affects your worship. Can I have an amen on that? And Karen put her hand on my thigh and said, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I said, thank you. I'm getting there in Jesus' name. I'm calling those things that are not as though they are because my God is worthy of praise. Amen. He is worthy of praise. So what I'm preaching today, I was walking out this morning, okay? So, a point in this passage that I think is really, really clear, and I'd always seen this passage from a perspective of how I judge somebody else that then I will be judged by my Father in heaven that way. And I, there is an application to that, and I'm not saying that that is not true. But what the Lord began to show me over the last year, and even as I was studying this, is if I am critical of others, others will be critical of me. 
if I am a critical man and I bring judgment and I and I even though it may not be expressed if it's right here in the same measure that I judge you you will judge me we can we can really foster a really really critical house if we want to do that and all we've got to do is to be critical of one another how many remember oh 10 years ago when brother ron gideon was a part of this church and he had this vision and in this vision we as a church we were linked arm arm to arm and it was a wide uh, body and we were all linked arm arm to arm and there was like three rows of the church and we were all marching forth and as we stayed in unity Man, the kingdom of darkness was being, it was being pushed away. Kingdom of darkness. We were making advancements against the kingdom of darkness. But in that vision, it was a warning from the Lord. But as soon as we got our eyes on each other, and we started seeing the flaws of each other, as soon as we started to get in the flesh, looking with our natural eyes, all of a sudden the kingdom of darkness began to make advancements against us. And it was a warning. It was a warning from the Lord to say, Church, Keep your eyes fixed on me. Fix, keep your eyes on what I'm seeing. Don't look at what you see in the natural, but look at see what you, even what Tom's exhortation this morning in worship was, hey, you've got to believe that those things are already taken care of by God. You've got to worship him as if they're already done. Amen. So my question is, is if you feel like people are really critical of you, Get a mirror out. Wow, it's quiet. Get a mirror out. Are you critical of other people? Because if you are, in the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, what I'm not saying, I want to be clear about this. What I am not saying is that we overlook people's sins and shortcomings. I'm not saying that. Iron sharpens iron. But we have got to get a perspective of what God sees, not what we see with our natural eyes. Tom quoted the scripture, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't always see the kingdom being manifested in your life. I don't always see change that's going on in the believer's heart. But am I going to believe in what God says, or am I going to believe in what I see? Am I going to believe in the power of God over the power of your flesh? I want to see through different glass, glasses. And so where I want to take us today, hallelujah. Jesus. This is so critical stuff, guys. This is such critical stuff. It's not only affecting our worship, it's affecting our relationships. affecting the health of the church it's affecting the culture of this house 
And if we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven, if we're going to have a culture of revival, if we're going to have a culture of honor, if we're going to have a culture that God wants to have, that his kingdom be manifest, then there's something we've got to get. And so here's, I'm going to go to this scripture, and we're just going to go for a second here. This next passage, you've heard it quoted many times out of Galatians 5. And it says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Say, I'm not under the law. Do you realize that it is your sinful nature that causes you to see the negative in people. It is Eric Haler's sinful flesh nature that causes me to see what is critical in you, my family, or the people around me. And the Bible says that you're not to live by your flesh, but you are to live by your spirit, man. Amen? We know that, right? So how do I get out of living in my flesh this morning? How was I to get out of that living in my flesh when I saw what was wrong? Being critical. Because to be honest with you, it doesn't take a genius to see what's wrong. It doesn't even take the spiritual gift of discernment. It is, there's no spiritual gift needed to see what is wrong with people. It is blatantly obvious. Even the world knows how to do that. So you're not a, you're not a genius and you're not really high up on the food chain if you see what's going wrong in people's lives. You don't have a spirit of wisdom on you. You don't have a spirit of revelation or words of knowledge that are operating through you. It is the flesh and only the flesh. And the word of God says, I don't want you to live there. I want you to live in the spirit. I want you to change from this earthly window that Karen prophesied and declared last week to this heavenly window. I want you to look through glasses of, of, the, of the heavenly glasses, the, the glasses that God sees through, rather than the glasses of this world. Because every one of us, we're walking in the flesh way too much when it comes to this area of our life. Can I have an amen and yes? So you're not amazing when you're critical. Say, I'm not amazing when I'm critical. When I am critical... Here's what happens. It shows what I believe about someone. Or it shows what I don't believe about someone. It also shows, and this is the scary part for me, it shows that I believe more in the person's flesh than I do in the spirit and power of God. That's what scares me. 
that when I see you through the eyes of the flesh, I'm believing your flesh is more powerful than the power of God and his spirit. And so God began to convict my heart. Eric, you don't have a critical problem. You have a believing problem. You don't believe me. You don't believe what I say in my word. You don't believe in the new creation. You believe in the old man. You believe the old man is actually more powerful than the new man. Eric, you have an unbelief issue. You don't believe what I've said. You don't believe Colossians 3.10. You're actually doing Colossians 3.10, Eric. You're actually, in Colossians 3.10 it says, don't lie to yourself any longer by putting on the old man. Eric, you have a believing problem. Well, how do I believe in people? No, no, no. Eric, I'm not asking you to believe in people. I'm asking you to believe in me. And what I've said. That's what I'm asking you to do. People will always disappoint you. People will always fall short. But do you believe in what I said? Do you believe what I have said about people? Do you believe that they are a new creation? Do you believe they are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you believe they are the righteousness of Christ? Do you believe they're the head and not the tail? Do you believe that they're righteous and holy? I think you know the answer to that, God. I don't think you're asking me that because you don't know that answer. I think you think I don't know that answer. So are you saying I don't believe? Yep, 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 you don't believe. That's a problem, isn't it, God? Yeah, that's a problem. So I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. What is it that God's wanting me to see? I'm just taking you through a journey that I've been through. Is that okay? Because God wants to give us, all of us, new eyes, new glasses to look through. You know, last week, again, Karen's prophetic word was this earthly window versus this window of heaven. And God was saying, I want you to start looking. This is the, literally, it's in your bulletin, I think. It's a prophetic bulletin, isn't sir? Excuse me, pardon me. Literally, in that word, it says, God says, I want you to start looking through the windows of heaven Speak what is in heaven. What is heaven feeling? What is heaven smelling? What is heaven tasting? Is that prophetic bulletin in today, Sam? Good. But we stop looking. He said, but stop looking through the earthly window and begin to look through the heaven window. Is that not what we're talking about today? See, amazing kingdom people refuse to see and live by the flesh, the earthly window. Kingdom people refuse to look with their natural eyes. Kingdom people see, through the, see, the, see people through the way God sees them, through the heavenly window. They look with the spirit eyes. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the flesh. We have to begin to look through spirit eyes. Everybody say spirit eyes. So look at 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to wind this baby down. Verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, From now on, therefore, what? 
Judge no one according to the flesh. Therefore, from now on, judge no one according to the flesh. Sounds like a pretty good commandment, doesn't it? So what does living by the Spirit look like? From now on, if we're not to judge anyone according to the flesh, to know and understand a person through observation or experience, that's your flesh. To know somebody after observation, to know somebody after what you see in the natural, that's your flesh. The flesh can refer to many things here, but in this text, we're looking at how we see people. And so from now on, he says, therefore, really, I could change that and say, therefore, be critical of no one according to their flesh. In 1 Samuel, it talks about how God looks, God does not, man looks at the appearance, but God looks at the heart. God sees something different, guys. God sees something different when he sees you. You and I all know very, very well what our weakness is. Every one of us in this room, we know our own sin. We know where we fall short. We know where we miss the mark. Does anybody not know? I'll help you know what it is. <laughs> Seem to have a really good indication with that. Do you know where you fall short? We all know. And here's the verse that I want to pay attention to, and then we'll round, round it up, and I'll, I'll just make it a two-parter. I think it's that important. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah. I know we're still talking about the problem, but we're moving towards the solution. How many want the solution? Yeah. How many want, how do I apply this to my life? Yeah. How do I get to this place where I'm no longer looking with my flesh? So verse 17, 21, we're, we're gonna, this is where we're going to stop today, and, but I want you to read this, and I want this to be a part of your devotion this week. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. It's therefore because you need to know why it's therefore. There's a reason why it's therefore, okay? So what's he saying? He's, he's bringing special note to something, Paul is. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is. Everybody say is. Not going to be, not in a future day, not in the glory by and by, not the kumbaya, not the one day over the hill. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave who? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You are a minister of reconciliation. Say, I'm a minister of reconciliation. Even though I don't know what that is yet. We're going to get there. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. 
and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that word become is because he was declaring something that was going to happen when we receive Christ. Now, here's where I'm going to stop today for just a moment. The word reconciliation, we know to be reconciled back to God. What do you think an anonym is for the word reconciliation? Rejected? Actually, the anonym is anger. Believe it or not. The exact opposite of reconciliation is anger. When I'm critical, I always get angry. Always get angry. Angry is your sign that you are in your flesh. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give the devil a foothold, a sheath for a sword. Anger is your clue that you're in your flesh and that you quickly need to get into your spirit, man. And in order to do that, you have to become a minister of reconciliation and not count people's sins against them. Oh, but I've got a tally, brother. Oh, sister, I've got a tally. You've been with anybody very long, you've got a tally. You've got a list. I remember, you got any memories, Chad? No, yeah, yeah, we've got a memory. But the worst one is I have a tally for me. And because I have a tally for me, I have a tally for you. Because we're not going to get free from criticalness unless we believe what God says about me and you. Right? So, this ministry of reconciliation literally means to be reconciled to God. It means to cause a person to be accepted. something it, it, To cause a person to accept something not desired. Now, I don't know about you, but when I start getting critical, I start withdrawing. I start backpedaling. I start distancing from myself from the one I'm being critical of. I don't want to hang out with them. It's like, dude, you're driving me nuts. Has anybody got to have anybody around them that drives them nuts? Am I the only weird one in this bunch? Okay, I just want to make sure you're alive. Am I talking to the right group? As soon as I start to get critical, I push myself away, and I don't want to be around that person. What's that? My flesh. I want to reject. I don't want to be reconciled. I want to move away. That's why God tells us in Matthew 18, if you have something against your brother, you go to him. You don't withdraw from him. You don't hide from him. You go to him. Because he's telling us how to live by the Spirit. And so we have to offer this thing of this, this reconciliation, being reconciled back to favor with people. 
and to look at them different, to win over the friend, to friendliness is also what that means, to restore to harmony or agreement with, which then begins to take away your anger, takes away your criticalness when you begin to forgive and let go of people's sins against you. How hard is that? How hard is it for you to let go of an offense? Or do you want to cock the gun? And here's how we cock the gun. Can you believe what Eric did? I am so fed up with his jokes. And I begin to change Christy's opinion about Eric with my gun. And I begin, I begin to put question in Christy's mind about me. And I begin to tell the story to somebody else that then begins to provide ammunition. And then that person goes, you know, I never thought of it that way. Is he really doing that? And all of a sudden, Jezebel and Ahab and all of a sudden, Leviathan... And all these wicked spirits begin to mess up the communication and the unity and the bond of peace. And all of a sudden, we begin to think critical thoughts of one another. But it's all going back to unbelief. Because we don't really believe. If Christy believed in me, she would then, oh, I don't believe that about Eric. That he is a righteous man. He may have issues, but man, that dude is going after God. He, he, he allows the Spirit of God to correct him, and he loves God. And she would believe the best in me, just like 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is. It says love always honors. That's dishonoring. And then all of a sudden, the culture in this place begins to have a culture of heaven rather than the culture of the world. All of a sudden, what Tom has been talking about, our worship begins to get elevated because these things are not going through our minds. I'm not judging whether Mike should wear a t-shirt up here because he sweats so bad. I've really missed you, by the way. I'm not judging Charlene twirling. I'm, I, I, I'm believing the best in my brothers and sisters and knowing, man, they're getting with God. Amen. And I'm trusting in God's ability to move on people's heart rather than my ability to now bring correction to you and say, hey, you, you know, you got to... <laughs> because what criticalness does is we try to, in our flesh, correct the problem. rather than allowing God to correct the problem. Now, are there times that the Bible needs to be used for correction and rebuking and all that stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying we overlook people's sins. If I know that you're in an adulterous affair, I am going to come to you, and I am going to lovingly say to you, you are much better than that. That is not who you are. You are the righteousness of Christ. You're a new creation. Is this really going on? Is what I've heard true? 
I am going to, I do, I do, I am not going to allow you to stay in sin. I am going to come and I'm going to say, I love you. And this isn't who you are. Is this really what's going on? I, I will confront you. Years ago, I might not have. But after that prophetic word for Diddy Craver, buddy, he said, rip out the hand grenades, buddy. I'm coming after you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Throw away the baby bottles. It's time to grow God's people up. And this is a part of growing God's people up right here, is getting the mind of Christ. So I'm going to stop there, and uh, I'm going to let uh, Michelle share a word of the Lord that she had. Um, if you wouldn't mind, give her the mic. Oh, she's got the mic. I think it ties into this. I think it goes back even to what Karen's prophetic word was last week. I really want to encourage you to read the prophetic word of, of seeing through earth's window versus God's window. Because I'm going to talk about next week about how, what does it look like to see through the eyes of God? And what is it that God sees so that we can get on his page? Does that make sense? And we'll, we'll, we'll get some, but go ahead.
Thank you. Thank you. If you would uh, stand up with me. We'll um, I think I think the Lord wants you to um, begin to ask Him um, now and even this week. about your own critical heart. We, we know it's there. And um, I've been on a journey of repenting and asking the Lord to forgive me. And so I really want to encourage you to start there this week. I want to encourage you to repent and to confess your sin of being critical of other people. It's, it's, it's amazing. You can be critical of someone's driving going down the road and you're sideways emotionally and don't even realize it. But I believe the Spirit of God is going to highlight things to you this week. He may even have you go to people and say, I'm really sorry, I have offended you because I was so critical. But the, the Bible talks about cleaning up our messes. And uh, if you've been critical, it's time to clean your mess up. And, um, and the Lord will put it on your heart on how you're to clean that up. But it really does start with confession. It starts with, God, I am sick of tired of being critical. God, I, I repent. I ask that you forgive me. I, I receive your mercy. But God, I, and then, 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 then comes phase two where we truly begin to hear the voice of God. Once we've humbled ourselves before God, as we've laid it before the Lord of our critical nature, then there comes this speaking of the Lord and what he begins to say. And that's what I'm going to get into next week. But Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I do just ask uh, corporately, church, I just ask that you forgive me as, as a shepherd in this house for being critical, I, I, you may not know it, you may not see it, you may not experience it, but in the past years I have become very critical uh, of you, I've been critical of my family, I've been critical of those around me. And I just ask that you forgive me. I ask that you would release me And I know you have no clue what that is, but I, I do repent publicly for being critical, and it has affected my worship, it has affected my walk with God. And so, Father, I thank you for your mercy, I thank you for your forgiveness. And Father, I ask as a church that you would walk us through a season of repenting and confessing, and, and a season of revelation. We are in a season, Lord, where you're going to show us our land for what it really is, that we are your delight. And so, Father, I just ask this week that you would really lead us and guide us into your truth in giving us a new set of glasses to see things the way you see them. Father, we thank you for that. We just release your people, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.